Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 94 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I chat with Sarah Levy. She is a fantastic writer who has written a couple little articles for, oh, I don't know if you've heard of these publications, uh, The New York Times, Refinery29, Cosmopolitan, just to name a few. She talks all about her sobriety and relationships and how it has affected her life this far. In this episode, she walks us through her recovery journey and how her life has changed dramatically since getting sober. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's go. Throughout this episode, Sarah really stresses the importance of community and how it has really propelled her sobriety journey. If you're looking to do Dry July, why do it alone? Join intimate groups of like-minded women who are looking to change their relationship with alcohol. Yes, everyone has a different story and where they came from. The thing that really brings us all together is the way we think and feel about alcohol. In a Sober Girls Guide group coaching, you will have accountability, community, and exercises and homework. When all three of these elements are combined, that is when real change happens. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com and sign up for July group coaching now. Hello, Miss Sarah. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm so great. I'm so happy to talk to you and talk about all your adventures and your sobriety. I love your articles. And I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you so much for bringing light to, you know, this topic about sobriety and bringing it to pretty big publications. Like you've been featured in New York Times, Refinery29, Cosmo, like those are huge voices and platforms. And you've been talking about sobriety and relationships. I think it's so, so badass. Thank you so much. It's honestly 
surreal, you know, like you, I'm sure when I got sober, I couldn't find articles or conversations about it. And, you know, in Mm. any magazines that I read. And so it's been, you know, one of my biggest goals, the more time I had sober and the more comfortable I got just like talking about it myself and with my own friends and family. One of my goals was like spreading awareness and just opening up the conversation for other young people who are like considering getting sober. So thank you so much for saying that. And I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it kind of normalizes the whole process, right? The more we talk about it, the more it's just education. I I think, you know, and you, you know, being on the like younger and, and just talking about it in such a nonchalant kind of like casual way. Like, yeah, this is how it is. Like, this is what I'm up to um, is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was looking for and couldn't find, you know, I first started thinking about getting sober when I was 24 and I ultimately didn't get sober until I was 28. Um, I just wasn't ready. And I also just couldn't picture myself sober because I didn't know anyone my age who didn't drink. And I didn't really, you know, I would like Google sometimes like sober celebrities or like people that I could just try to see myself in. And Um, I just, you know, I, I wasn't ready. And, um, so yeah, I think that like the more we talk about it and the more we normalize it as Mm -hmm. just like a choice that we make or, you know, something that we do to save our lives, like whatever, wherever you fall on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, the more we talk about it, I think the less scary it can feel for someone who's considering making that choice for themselves. Absolutely. And I love that you say that, like you couldn't see yourself in it because, I think up until a couple of years, like this was really not a topic that people ventured into, right? Like it wasn't the cool thing to talk about. Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so cool that now, you know, the, the dialogue and like the cultural conversation is shifting and there's like the sober curious movement and sobriety, mm-hmm. like a, a wellness topic, you know, and there's cool non-alcoholic beverage companies popping up. And I love seeing all of that. Um, but yeah, like I said, when I was first thinking about getting sober six years ago now, it did not exist. It was not cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember just, like I said, Googling like sobriety and finding, you know, just, I couldn't find anyone who looked like me, who drank mm-hmm. like me, who I could relate to. I just thought that the only people who were sober were people who drank every single day or woke up in the morning and like reached for the bottle and started drinking, you know, totally. Like, like, that wasn't my story. That just wasn't yeah. how I drank. Like the way that I drank was with my friends on the weekends like the older I got, like that happened more throughout the week, like the happy hour, whatever, like Thursday night. But yeah, I drank with my friends, but I was a blackout drinker. And like when I started drinking, I usually blacked out and, you know, didn't remember what happened the next day. So I couldn't find any like representations of that. And yeah. in like conversations about sobriety. Totally. I think even the term like alcoholic, I always pictured like, an older, bigger gentleman with like a big <laughs> red nose. Yeah. You know, like I never picture like, oh, like that could be like a friend of mine or that could be me. Right. Or me even too. like a woman. I honestly didn't even equate um, addiction or being an alcoholic to a, a woman. Same. Now that I even think about it. Right. Me too. And that's so, I love that you say that because. I think a lot of people feel that way. I had the mm-hmm. same image as you. It was like 
an older man with a red nose and he was like probably like either drinking on a park bench out of a brown paper bag <laughs> or like divorced and like couldn't see his kids or it's like so stereotypical but yeah that I think it's like what we see how we see alcoholism depicted in movies and mm-hmm. I don't know it's just you know a stereotype that I really like latched onto and I never thought about a woman you know young old like that just never entered into the, the picture for me yeah and um, even just, you know, when I was younger, I felt like drinking and being able to keep up with the guys was like a feminist act. You know, I thought it was really cool that like guys couldn't do, there was nothing that a guy could do that I couldn't do, including like chug a beer or whatever. And, um, totally. so I always viewed it as a way that like I could keep up and that I was, you know, mm-hmm. equal. But yeah, it's interesting thinking of like gender in that conversation that, you know, when it started to go off the rails for me there was no like woman on the other side that I was, could really look to who was sober. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about your story and like pre pre sobriety? What was that like? What was life like? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I would say by most accounts, I started drinking a little bit later. Like Mm -hmm. I was a really good kid. I was a rule follower and I didn't start drinking until I was like 16, which is effectively young, but like was later, you know, for, for a lot yeah. of my like classmates and stuff. And, um, I was just, yeah, I was, I was just a perfectionist, a rule follower and, um, just like had no interest in drugs and alcohol until I started drinking, until I tried alcohol. Right. And, you know, for me, I really loved it. I loved the way it made me feel. Um, it made me feel really confident, pretty, skinny, like all the ways I didn't feel normally, all the like mean voices in my head that told me I wasn't good enough. Like they just were quieter when I started drinking. And I really liked that. And, you know, drinking was fun for a while until it just kind of stopped being fun. And um, I found friends in college that liked to go out and party. And my drinking was more or less normal until Mm -hmm. I moved to New York City after I graduated. And I think it just started getting a little bit more unmanageable um, in New York because, you know, there were no, there were just fewer rules, like things, bars didn't close. I was living, you know, on my own and, you know, with roommates, but like I was really, I was independent and I was single. I'd had a boyfriend in college, you know, so just my life looked differently and, um, and I just started drinking more. And like I said earlier, I was a blackout drinker. So mm. What that meant for me was I would kind of start the night thinking, I just want to have a few drinks, go out with my friends, dance, you know, I didn't like intend to black out. But once I started drinking, you know, at a pregame, taking shots or wherever I was, like, I didn't want to stop. Like, I loved how it made me feel. And I just wanted to feel amazing, you know, for as long as I could. And so I would yeah. just do more and more and more. And most like morning afters, like Saturday morning or whatever, I would wake up with no memory of what had happened to me, like past the pregame, would probably have lost my phone or my wallet or have, you know, text messages from people who were like, what happened to you? Or who were like mad at me? Like, I just would wake up and be like, what did I do last night? And, yeah. you know, it's like really embarrassing to, to say now, but there would usually be a guy next to me. I would probably not remember what we had did. You know, it was like just really shameful. Yeah. Um, like, what is your name, sir? Right. Like, <laughs> how did I get here? And, you know, in the yeah. beginning, like 23, 24, it's like kind of funny and you talk about it with your friends the next day. But yeah. 
it started to feel scary. And, you know, I, like I said, I started to think about getting sober at 24 because my blackouts were really getting scarier. You know, I was just have these like huge gaps of my night that were missing and I had woken up bleeding and like bruised and not knowing how I had fallen, like I'd fallen down. Yeah. So it was like, okay, this is, these are like consequences, you know, this is not just like frat party fun. And I, you know, I, I thought about getting sober. I wasn't ready. I had so many fears, you know, what will I do? How will I find a boyfriend? How will Mm. I fall in love without alcohol? Like, what will I drink at my wedding? It was all like, all these hypotheticals. I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't engaged, but I, yeah. you know, I was like, what will my friends think of me? Like, you know, I'm going to lose yeah. all my friends. Um, just everything. Alcohol was just my life revolved around alcohol and yeah. um, going out and drinking just socially. And so I really wasn't ready. And, you know, it was just more of the same for the next few years. Just like I moved, I kept thinking that all these external things would change the way that mm. I drank. I changed jobs. Um, I worked, I threw myself into my work. I was working in marketing and I was like a workaholic and uh, going out and drinking with my coworkers and, you know, changing. I moved to, I was living in New York city at the time. I moved to Brooklyn. You know, I just, I felt like if I changed the particulars of my life, my drinking would kind of fall in line. And, um, it just was the same. I just would black out and and feel awful. And, you know, the last weekend that I drank, it was, I just turned 28. It was a week after my 28th birthday. And I had gotten this, um, this like white bedspread because I thought, okay, I'm 28 now and I'm going to have a white bedroom and it's going to really incentivize me to like not get as drunk because oftentimes I would be like hungover and like throw up and like, like, you know, like my apartment would be a mess and, and whatever. And I was like, Hey, if I have a white bed, like that won't happen. And I woke up, you know, the morning after my 28th birthday, hadn't wanted to black out. I had, I hadn't wanted to, you know, text a guy I had texted him. Right. And, and I had like gotten sick all over my new bed and I was just like, you know, and it was just small thing. It was the first time that I realized like, I can't really control this. Like I go in with one, yeah. drink, like it ends up being something completely different. And, um, and that was really like the beginning of the end. And I, I stopped drinking, you know, a week later mm-hmm. and I just was ready. You know, I think that like, it wasn't my worst night out. It wasn't yeah. like worse things had happened to me. I had had worse hangovers. I had felt more ashamed, like all those things, you know, it was an old story at that point, but I was just, done. Like I was just ready to be done. And that's the thing I always mm-hmm. say to, um, to women or, you know, people who ask me about how I quit drinking. It's like, until you're ready, mm-hmm. nothing can convince you. Like nothing could have convinced me. I had gone to therapists, you know, I had talked to my friends about my drinking and, and I just, until I woke up and said, I'm done, I'm done feeling this way. Yeah. Um, like I, I wasn't ready to stop, but that, you know, that week after my birthday, um, I just was like, this is not fun anymore. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. 
Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. And yeah. I was just ready to make a change. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. That It's like, it's not, I don't really think of it as a rock bottom because like you, I've done some crazy ass shit. Mm-hmm. But that never stopped me, like, at all. Um, I think it's, mo- it's more emotional than anything. It's like this emotional threshold that you hit. And you're like, holy shit, like, I don't want to feel this way. Like, forget all the, the physical stuff. Like, I got pregnant, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. And I'm a lesbian. So that's, that's <laughs> a weird one. Yeah. So I, yeah. But that didn't stop me. Go right. figure Right. But like the emotional toll and the emotional threshold when you're just like, I'm so sick of this. And this is like, not what I want for my life anymore. Right. It's so draining. So draining. I remember feeling like, I think when I had like 30 days sober, Mm -hmm. I remember feeling like the wheels had just been like slowing down inside of me. Like Mm. I was creaking train or something, you know, emotional bottom that I was like rolling into because you're right. I had had worse things happen. I'd had worse nights, you know, but it was just like, I would like look at myself in the mirror and just like not recognize myself or I would see pictures of myself when I was out drinking and just feel like my eyes were like empty, you know? Yeah. Like nothing felt funny anymore. Like I just was, you know, it was just this like emotional bottom, like you're saying yeah. that I didn't know could be a type of bottom because like you, I thought that a bottom was a car accident or yeah. you know, something really, you know, getting fired, something really like dramatic, you know, yeah. like getting arrested for the seventh time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was yeah. just like my white bed spread and, you know, yeah doing something with a guy that I hadn't wanted to do and that had happened before, but I just felt really empty inside and felt really tired of it. Yeah. I can totally relate to you with like the bedspread thing. Cause I'm like a huge fan of like white and just clean, pristine. It's yeah. just, it's almost like, like sacred or yeah. like virginal. And like the fact that you, it's like, fuck, like we can't even have nice things, you know? Right. Like it's just this, the fact that you can't even like respect yourself 
enough to, right. to take care of something that is like really important to you and like part of your values is heartbreaking. Yeah, that it was heartbreaking. I woke up so sad and mm-hmm. so mad at myself and physically poisoned. It's like mm-hmm. nothing worse than having to clean your duvet when you're have like alcohol poisoning and you're, oh. you know, your, your head is throbbing. And yeah. I was just like, I keep doing this to myself. Like no one is forcing me to do this. Yeah. I just can't stop when I start drinking. And right. that was really, really hard for me to accept because I just liked to think of myself as being good at drinking, you know, I, I yeah. it was being really fun. And like I said, alcohol was a huge part of my life. So admitting that I was bad at something or that I couldn't do something that yeah. had, like the foundation of my social life felt like a failure and felt really, I felt really sad about it. I had to really grieve it. For sure. And especially for someone who like focused so much on being good up until like 16 exactly. years old. Always a rule follower. Always right. Good grades and you know, of course, like the food stuff came in, wanting to be thin enough and just so controlled yeah. in all ways. And like, you know, in the beginning, being good at drinking, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, you know, felt, it felt good. I felt cool. I felt like I was good at something. And yeah. admission that not only was I not good at it, but it was really affecting my life in a negative way and that I was going to have to stop. It just, yeah, it felt, it felt like a failure. It felt like I was you know, like I hadn't gotten a good grade in, in drinking or, you know, being fun. Totally. Mm-hmm. Completely understand. So tell me what happened next. Like, how did you actually get sober? Like, what, what did you use? What did you do? Yeah. So I had been in therapy for years and I had a therapist at the time, which mm-hmm. was really helpful. And I, but I knew that I needed more support and, you know, I didn't know anyone who was in recovery. I didn't know anyone who went to meetings, but mm-hmm. I felt really desperate and felt like I would just kind of give it a try. And so I just Googled like women's recovery meeting in my neighborhood and I started going to meetings and I just met the most amazing women and having that community saved my life. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know that young girls didn't drink. They just didn't know that they existed and that they totally. were all and that they had amazing careers and relationships, you know, and yeah. it was really helpful for me because like I said, I had all those fears. How will I fall in love? How will I find a boyfriend? You know, how will I um, succeed at work? You know, like I said, I was working in marketing. I was going out and drinking with my coworkers and, you know, and I met these women who had done those things and who had come out on the other side and who were happy and they were like bright and glowing. And I was just like, okay, I want this. Like, I'll do whatever you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, so finding that community and, you know, that community can look different for different people. There's amazing online communities. There's, you know, people find communities and yoga teacher training and like meditation groups and right. Like it can look different for everyone, but I think having a community was essential for me because I have people that I could just call and and ask questions and turn to like, so I did that and I started just incorporating that into my, my weekly routine. And I was just honest with, you know, the people that were really close to me, not right away, but within a few weeks, maybe a month. I told my parents, I told, Mm -hmm. um, some of my closest friends, you know, and that was different from 
times in the past where I had tried to like secretly moderate my drinking or like had taken breaks. Yeah. Um, what I did differently this time was I was honest and I told people, you know, um, and I didn't use labels like with my friends or I wasn't like, I'm an alcoholic. I just was like, I, cause I just didn't want to use that word. And, and like we've talked about, there was such stigma around that word. Um, for sure. And, but I, but I was honest, you know, and I said like drinking is really making me feel horrible. It's making me really anxious and I've decided to stop. And, you know, the, the responses I got were so positive and loving and supportive. And, you know, I had been so scared to tell my friends and, um, and I just got really lucky. You know, my, my girlfriends from college just rallied around me and were, so, so supportive and asked questions and, you know, asked me how I was doing and went to, you know, dinners with me and the movies and like, you know, just things other than bars. And so that was really, you know, the first, the first year. And then, you know, when I had like 11 months sober, I started writing about it. And that was something that I never planned to do, but has become, you know, like a big, um, component in my recovery now is like sharing my story and talking to other people who are considering getting sober. Um, and you know, I had always wanted to be a writer. I kept diaries my whole life since I was like eight years old and I studied writing in college, but I just couldn't get my shit together when I was drinking, you know, like I couldn't, you don't say, yeah, (laughs) I would go out and be drunk and be talking about this book I wanted to write. And yeah, like I had written a sentence, like just could not do it. And, and I had a, you know, I had a great job. I was working at a a cool startup and I was, I was happy there. And, um, until I got sober and my mind cleared and I started really being able to identify like what my old dreams were and what, what I was passionate about and what I really wanted to do. And so, uh, I started, I started writing about sobriety and, um, the first article I wrote was about dating and sobriety for the cut. And, um, And I just got such amazing responses and feedback. And, you know, I kept working full time for um, the next few months and then or most of the next year rather, and then um, transitioned to being freelance full time last year, which was amazing. And just like, you know, had been a dream of mine for for a really long time. Yeah. Um, And just took a lot of like putting one foot in front of the other, which I'm able to do in sobriety because I wake up clear headed every day. Yeah. I, you know, I remember what I did and I I remember how I felt and I remember like what I want, right? Which sounds so simple. Oh my gosh. No, it's the hardest thing. It is the hardest thing to figure out what you want. Right. Right. So, you know, just like sharing my story has been a huge part of my recovery. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about different facets of sobriety from, you know, leaving that job, switching careers, um, falling in love, moving cross country, which we'll talk about, but yeah. all the ways that my life has changed since I got sober, yeah. um, writing about it has been, has been really helpful. It keeps me accountable and it also keeps me, um, plugged into gratitude, you know, and like looking back at how far I've come. I love reading back on, on my old articles and, you know, entries and just being like, yeah. Oh yeah, I felt that then. Like dating sober when I wrote that first article was still really hard and really scary. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm in a relationship and very open with my boyfriend about my sobriety. So um, in that sense, it's been a really, you know, it helps other people. Yes, but it helps me most of all. Totally. They're like little time capsules. 
exactly that are like published on the internet forever (laughs) and instead of like horrible like pictures of you drunk looking like a raccoon getting garbage out of a dumpster you have these fantastic amazing articles to to almost celebrate as milestones exactly when you change your relationship with alcohol you realize you have so many hours in the day I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria LG Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Exactly. Really, really cool. Um, I wanted to talk about you, like changes. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you have literally done a 360, maybe even more in your life from your career, relationships, like love life from what do you, what you want in life? Did that scare you at all? Oh my God. It terrified me. (laughs) My life has, my life looks completely different today than it did when I got sober. It's completely changed. I not only changed jobs, but changed careers. I moved, you know, when I got sober, I was living in a studio apartment, my own little tiny cocoon and, um, you know, moving in with a boyfriend and then moving across the country with him. Like talk about just having to get to know yourself in a deeper level and totally and right. Like all those things were really scary. Um, And yeah, I think that if you had told me that this is what my life would look like before I got sober, A, I wouldn't have believed you and B, I would have been really scared. I don't know if I would have wanted it because I was so Mm. comfortable in the way my life looked, you know, like I said, you know, I was a workaholic at a certain point. And what I mean by that is like my job defined me. Like I just, I loved the security of being able to hide behind a company, you know, a brand manifesto and just threw myself into it. And, and there was a lot of ego wrapped in, into it and just feeling like this is what defines me. And if I do well at work, it means I'm okay. And I think right. writing and taking, you know, a step away from that and being now, you know, self-employed and, and being, you know, my own boss a lot of the time, mm-hmm. that's really scary because you have to be self-motivated and, you know, um, you can't hide as much. So yeah. That's definitely been scary, yes, uh, but it's also been so rewarding. And the conversations and, and connections that I've been able to form with other young people, mostly women who are 
considering sobriety, getting sober or who are just, you know, re-examining their relationships with alcohol. Um, it makes me feel less alone. And, and I know that it's, it's just something that I would have loved to be a part of before I got sober. So that's been, mm-hmm. that's been amazing. Um, but obviously like the biggest change in my recent life is yes. moving to LA and, you know, I did all my drinking in New York city. I was born there. My parents are there. All my friends are there Oh wow! right after college. And so I did all my drinking there and then I got sober there and, you know, it's the only place I've known the only place I've really lived other than college. And I left for a few years, but moving to LA felt so terrifying when we first started talking about it. And it's just been like anything else for me in sobriety. Like I do it one day at a time and I do it honestly. And I talk to people about how I'm feeling, which is something I didn't do when I was drinking. You know, I, I kept it inside. I didn't, I wasn't honest with myself about it, whatever the it was, whatever I was afraid of, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we took our time with, with making the move, which again, not something I did when I was drinking. I was very impulsive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah. talked about it for a few months and I talked about it with friends and, you know, women that I trusted mm-hmm. and I have been here for three weeks. So it's super Whoa, new. Oh, super yeah. new. Okay. I can't, I don't have much to report from the other side other than, you know, you kind of just bring yourself wherever you are. And that was the thing that we would forget when I was drinking. You know, I would always think Mm. that I changed, like I said, if I changed my job or where I lived or, you know, um, I would be different and I would feel better. And it's like, I'm still me even in LA. Um, Just nicer weather. Nicer weather. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Palm trees. Exactly. And like the things that I do every day to maintain my sobriety and to feel good, I can still do here. So what does that look like? I meditate every day. I journal. I write gratitude lists. I talk to women, you know, friends and like stay connected. Um, I try to move my body, go for a walk, do yoga, do something that feels good. Um, And I can still do all of that here and like ground myself in that way. And the rest, you know, the relationships and, and all the the trappings of a full life that like I had in New York, you know, I just have to trust that that stuff, um, that stuff will come and remind myself that it takes time. Like when I was drinking, I wanted to feel amazing immediately all the time. And that's still how I feel in my life. Right. It's like, okay, I moved. I want to feel amazing right away and have everything perfect right away. And it takes time in, in life. And so I think just leaning into that and, and being patient is, you know, is a big lesson that I'm, that I'm taking with me. Yeah. Um, and I'm lucky, you know, I have a wonderful, loving boyfriend who's keeps reminding me, he's like, you're not here alone. Like, I'm like, Aww. how am I going to make friends? And what is this going to look like? And he's like, we're friends. Like we're here together. I'm like, Oh, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think just, you know, enjoying that, enjoying like the time that I have with him because I don't have this whole like life here yet. Yeah. Um, but you know, we moved on the heels of COVID and, and, right. and so, um, in a weird way, that time of not being able to see anyone made it a little bit easier to leave because we've kind mm. of been used to talking to each other on the phone and doing Zooms and yeah. the work. being so distant like, as is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's helped with staying connected to people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, is there any major differences that you were, that you um, see between New York and LA as far as COVID situation goes? I think in general, New York is so busy and we're so used to being like on the go all the time that the first few weeks of quarantine there, because I was quarantined in Brooklyn in my old apartment for, you know, three months, the first few weeks of quarantine there were really hard because you have less personal space. The apartments are just smaller and it's just so at odds from normal life there. You know, normally you wake up, you get a coffee, run them to the subway, you go to a meeting, you go to another meeting, right? You're on the go. And so being still in New York felt very strange to me, but I felt like it actually deprogrammed me to a certain extent where I got more comfortable kind of sitting with myself. And LA I think is, is just still in general, like it's just people, the pace is slower, you know? Um, And so I think that historically when I've come to California, I've often felt anxious because I'm like, where are all the people and what's everyone doing? And why don't I see them all in front of me? Like I do. Um, And so coming here, you know, after being quarantined in New York, I feel a lot less, I feel a lot less of that. Um, But, you know, overall, I think that there's just more space here. And Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, as things start to reopen and there's, you know, outdoor seating and restaurants here, um, there's just more room for people to do that, I think, and feel a little bit more comfortable. Whereas in New York, you know, when we were moving, things were slowly starting to reopen. Mm-hmm. We are still on top of each other to a certain extent. Um, Absolutely. And that, I think, is a little bit weird. And and then, you know, in LA, most people have cars. Um, in New York, no one really does. So things yeah. like the subway and just it's going to be interesting to see how people readjust and if, you know, we're able to or if New Yorkers are able to kind of go back to, to their old routines with, with COVID still being a factor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think LA, maybe it, it sounds like COVID was kind of prepping you for LA. It like was. to kind of like slow down and like spread your legs a little bit. I really feel like the universe had my back with that. Mm-hmm. You know, timing couldn't have been, couldn't have been more fitting for me because I, it really forced me to, to just sit and get quiet and get ready to make this move. Yeah, definitely. Well, welcome to LA. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Like anything else, once you're over the hump and the change has happened, it feels great. And I'm so excited to, to, you know, start my new chapter here. Yeah, like the initial shock kind of like wears off and you're like, okay, cool. Like this is my new normal. But isn't it so funny how we like rush to to feel comfortable? <sighs> even though we've like wanted this change and like yearned for something different. It's like, yeah, but I just want to feel like comfortable in something new. Exactly. <laughs> like I knew that moving was going to take time, that I would have to pack boxes, unpack boxes, settle in. And yet when I was in it, it was so uncomfortable just not being settled that I was doing, my boyfriend and I were doing like 12 hour days, like for, you know, two weeks just to like get ourselves situated because that discomfort is really unsettling. And I know I'm still working on that. I guess that's like 
a variation of destination happiness where I, I, I struggle to just be in it and just yeah. lean into the discomfort in the moment. Like I am still working on that. Um, that shit is so much easier said than done. Totally. <laughs> Especially yeah. in quarantine, you know, we're spending so much time in our homes, even though yeah. things are starting to reopen, like we're not in offices, you know, we're working from home and, I usually would work out of a co-working space before all of this. Like I'm not back there. So, you know, you want our home, you want your home to feel settled and in a move on top of everything else. I was just like, Oh my God, I can't feel uncomfortable. I have to get this figured out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely need to feel grounded at home for sure. Yeah. Um, Sarah, if you could give someone a little piece of advice, if they're like, thinking of getting sober or like struggling right now with their sobriety, what piece of advice advice could you offer them? I think for me, what was really helpful was remembering that not everyone questions their relationship with alcohol. And so if Mm. you are, it's probably worth looking at, you know, your instinct is trying to tell you something. And when I listened to that voice and stopped drinking. I really thought my life was over. I really did, but it was just beginning. You know, I wish that everyone who's wondering about sobriety could just know that, that Mm. life got better and bigger and more beautiful. And I, if I could do it again, I would have gotten sober even younger because it's just the best thing that I've ever done. Definitely. I am with you on the younger part. Yeah. It took me almost 10 years to figure this this out and like oh no why that was right. that was way too long right. you don't need to suffer right and yes. that like it doesn't have to be a struggle you know you that yep. like you deserve this you don't have to feel that way it can be easier like an easier way exists and you know the other piece of advice I would say is find a community whether it's mm. just friends that you trust or a therapist to start like find someone that you can talk to about it and be really honest with because you don't have to feel this alone. Absolutely. I love that. Sarah, where can we find you on the worldwide web? You can find me on Instagram at Sarah L. Levy, Sarah with an H, um, or on my website, sarahllevy.com. Amazing. And you have links to all your articles and stuff that you publish on there? Everything, all my articles, podcasts are all on my website. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for sharing your experience and story and wisdom. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. I love talking to you too. This is so fun. Yes. I just love Sarah's fresh perspective on sobriety and recovery. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Please make sure to like, follow, and rate. We love to hear your feedback from the podcast. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide. And the blog. Oh, baby, don't sleep on the blog. Head to asobergirlsguide.com for tips, tricks, and how-tos to walk you through your sobriety and recovery at any stage of the game. And make sure to check out our downloadable tools. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.